What is up, fam? It's been a long time. It's finally here, dropping my first episode of Not Just Sunday's podcast. I'm super excited about it. My friend Adam Weber is going to be bringing the heat. He is the pastor of Embrace Church in South Dakota. But before that, I want to thank Paul Cox, who did my website. He is with thechurchco.com. If you're looking for a website, please hit him up. Him and his team is the best out there. I want to give a shout out to my good friend, Nick Goodner, who was an inspiration to me getting this started. My friend, Marky Mark Boe, <laughs> who uh, helped out with some graphics for this uh, particular session. And I want to thank my wife for putting up with me late nights, early mornings, getting up, you know, worrying and trying to put this podcast together. So this podcast is super special to me. Sorry for getting this out late. I've been sitting on it for about a month, worried about the audio because uh, at the end, Adam gets cut off and uh, it was a really, really good section of his book that I wanted you guys to kind of listen to, you know, and kind of get a taste of what Love Has a Name is about. But we'll definitely have Adam back again so we can dive into that part. But Adam's a good friend. The loft was on my end. And uh, I was pretty frustrated about it. And also the audio is not so great. But here it is, guys. Not Just Sunday's podcast. My friends, this is Adam Weber, pastor of Embrace Church in South Dakota. South Dakota. <laughs> what is there to do in South Dakota, my friend? <laughs> uh, well, this time of the year, it's all about survival and not freezing to death. And so, <laughs> no, we, uh, it depends on the time of the year. We get as warm as uh, you can get and also as cold as it can get. But it's a, it's a fantastic place to live. Uh, we, my wife and I live in the heart of Sioux Falls. And so no matter the temperature, uh, we go on walks, we get outside, even if it's below zero, which is insane. But Whew. yeah, life is good. Life is good. Life is good. I don't miss that at all. Cause I'm from Chicago. We have that below 20, below 30, below weather, man. I don't miss it at all. I always question my intelligence every winter of like, what am I still doing in this place? <laughs> we have a uh, city here in Flagstaff called, uh, I mean, city here in Arizona called Flagstaff and it snows there. So whenever I get that itch, I just drive an hour, play in the snow for about an hour or two with the kids and the fam, and uh, drive back. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I wish I, I wish I could drive back. That's the promise right there is the ability to leave it. Just like whenever I feel like I want to see snow, I wish I could just drive somewhere and <laughs> drive away from it. <laughs> One of our college students that's actually from South Dakota in your, in your church, his name is Lincoln. And uh, Crazy. Yeah, so he attends our college ministry because he goes to GCU. And I was like, hey, man, I got a friend that that uh, that pastors a church in, in South Dakota. And he was just like, man, the only church that I love in South Dakota is Embrace. I was like, that's where my friend pastors at. He's like, you know, Pastor Adam? I was like, yeah, man, I'm actually doing a podcast with him next week. And so. <laughs> he, that is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy, man. That is super crazy. First question, man. Uh, if somebody is at your church. And they're just getting saved. What's next? 
Oh, it's so good. I, I think a couple of things I would say is to tell somebody, first off, to tell somebody in your life that you know loves you and loves Jesus. And just to, just to say, hey, I made this decision. I don't even know what it means, but I made this decision and I'm following this Jesus guy now. Um, can I just, can I just spend time with you? Like, so I think, I think first off telling somebody another thing, uh, get a translation of the Bible that you can understand. And you, anybody you talk with will give you a different answer of what translation, blah, 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 blah. Overall, we just, we just want to know the heart of Jesus. That's the overall goal. If we're trying to find out specific answers to theology, we might want to get a certain translation of the Bible. But if you're new to Jesus, just get a Bible that you can understand. And if you struggle, to read, no, no worries. Get download the Bible app on your phone and have somebody audibly share it with you. So I think, I think that, and then I think the next step that I would tell somebody is just each day wake up and just say, um, Jesus, I want to follow you today, and I want to fall more in love with you. That's, that's good. And, um, and even even just saying like, would you help me to find one person that I can go out of my way to love today or serve today? Um, I think, I think God honors just that simple act of prayer. And for myself, I, I often will tell people I'm a stubborn mule. I mean, I'm just a, I dig my heels in and I bite sometimes. I mean, I'm a mule. And so uh, sometimes I need to physically get on my knees almost as a way of commanding my soul that you yeah. are not in charge today. That's good. Hey, Adam, Adam, you think you're in charge. You think you're smart. What you think you're all that. Uh, nope, you're not in charge. Jesus is. And so today I'm surrendering to you and I'm following you today. So that'd be probably my first word of encouragement. Mm -hmm. Tell somebody, find a Bible you can understand, read one chapter a day, start in the book of John if you need a place. And then uh, each day wake up and just say, Jesus, I want to follow you today. I want to fall more in love with you and uh, help help me to find somebody that I can go out of my way to love. Cool. That's that's amazing. You know, one thing I forgot, I'm kind of new to this podcast thing, so I'm I'm pretty much, you know, not winging it, but I'm learning as I go. Oh, but you're a seasoned veteran. <laughs> what? Um, tell us about you first. Let's just get into that. Like, who are you? What's going on? Like, where? Besides being from South Dakota, <laughs> about your church, you know, like that kind of thing. Then we can get into the the, the meat of the. Oh yeah, yeah. So I am born born and raised in South Dakota. Lived here my whole life, with the exception of three years when I went to Kentucky to get my master's. Came to Christ later on in high school. Uh, I grew up Lutheran. All my extended family's Catholic. Never had heard about a relationship with Jesus. Wanted nothing to do with God, church, or anything else. And then um, my my family switched churches around my sophomore, junior high school. I came to Christ. It was a radical change. Went to school for business and marketing. Um, always thought I'd work at an ad agency or be a CEO of a company and just do different and just do different things through that. I thought it'd be so. I have a passion for generosity, and uh, so I always like, man, I'm going to make a ton of money and just give a bunch of it away or do things as a company that don't make sense. We're going to help people that can't pay us and whatever else. Well, God had other plans. So uh, the summer before my senior year of college, I filled in for a pastor uh, who's now my father-in-law. And uh, within within the first week of filling in for that pastor, I was 21 years old. Uh, I knew I was supposed to be a pastor. And so I finished my business degree, then went to seminary. I got married to my wife. Um, and, uh, went to seminary, always thought I'd end up on the East coast somewhere after that. I, I, we loved Kentucky weather. You get Mm. four legit seasons. 
uh, fall and spring in South Dakota usually last one or two days. Uh, and then you either, you, you either have winter or you have summer. And um, so we just loved it there. But then the pastor who led me to Christ had the idea of starting a church in Sioux Falls. And I basically didn't have the courage to tell him no. I didn't want to start a church, didn't want to move back to South Dakota. I wasn't on Facebook, so it wasn't cool to start a church. Um, I mean, I legitimately didn't want to, but I just didn't have the courage to say no. And so I started a church called Embrace when I was 24 years old. Wow. And uh, I wouldn't let my 24-year-old self borrow the keys to my car right now, let alone pastor my church. And, uh, and uh, so, uh, so it's been a crazy journey. So I got four kids, three boys, one girl three biological, one Ethiopian. Um, I love old, anything old, uh, old cars, uh, typewriters, fountain pens. I, I'm a nerd. Um, and the church, the, the church, the church is called embrace. So we have campuses and then we also have network churches. So churches that are not embraced, that join us for the message each week. And, um, it's the most unlikely of people that come together and we have nothing figured out. We're nothing to write home about, but Jesus is something to write home about and written a couple of books, got a podcast. And that's kind of, that's kind of me. Yeah. What's the name of your podcast? Let everybody know. Yeah. The podcast is just called the conversation, the conversation with Adam Weber. And it's, it's been a huge joy in my life, honestly. I, I only reason I do it. Um, well, first off I do it because to encourage people and pour into people, but really the main reason I do it is because it's an encouragement to my own soul. I mean, it's really been life giving to me personally. And I, I hope that it can be to other people as well, but it's, it's genuinely not something that takes from my life. It's something that adds to it. Oh man, that's amazing. That's so good. Um, you are considered to be a Cliff Caesar, a network church because I tune in when I can. <laughs> oh well that's that's well you can you can be a network church any day you want to <laughs> living as an everyday living every day as a christian to what what does that mean to you if someone were to ask you know a non-believer like what does living every day as a christian looks like to you yeah it's um i to sum it up it'd be loving jesus and becoming more like jesus yeah, if I had to, like, what does it mean to live every day as a Christian? Loving Jesus and becoming more like Jesus. It all starts with a relationship with God. It's not a ritual. It's not a routine. It's not a behavior management thing. Instead, it's like, no, it's a relationship of falling more and more and more in love with God, who already loves us fully, who already knows us completely. Um, it's falling more in love with Him. And as a result of that, it's more like him in our attitude, in our actions, in the things we post and the things we say and the things we do publicly, the things we do privately. Yeah. It, because, of, because of that relationship with Jesus, it changes everything else. It's not an hour on Sunday. We're not studying for an exam or we're having a, a Bible trivia question of like who knows the bible answers better than the others uh the, oftentimes in the bible the people who knew all the answers were the people that jesus was calling out he was yes. really really hard he was really uh, he was really really hard on the people who thought they had it all figured out yeah. so that'd be a word that'd be a word of, that'd be a word of warning that i'd have for a new christian if oh. at any point any point in the journey you begin to think that you are doing everything right as a follower of jesus and other people have missed the boat and you're constantly 
focused on other people missing the boat in that moment know that you personally have missed the boat the most oh man i, I sad, sadly i think so often what it means to be a follower of jesus we were we are prepping people to become pharisees not followers of Ooh, jesus. come on and, um, come on it's true it's true i'm like I'm, i look at it in like uh, I, I'm like, how do we miss the boat on this? How how do we turn out sounding exactly like the Pharisees, rather than rather than Jesus? And um, so I, I want to become more like Jesus, and um, and that's a yeah. So that's it's a hard thing. So that I'm going all over the place, but, oh, but so man, lo- loving loving Jesus and becoming more like Jesus is what it means to be a Christian. And man, becoming like Jesus is messy. I mean, yeah. it means we're hanging out with messy people and it means we're in messy situations and it means we need to forgive people we don't want to forgive it means we need to serve people we don't want to serve we need to befriend people we don't want to befriend and so it's it's a messy journey but it's it's the one that leads to life which is what i'm after you said something so good man you talked about private and public life people don't know should public and private life be the same or should it be different? I mean, I know the answer, but a lot of people yeah. don't know the answer. Well, what do, you, what do you have to say to that? Yeah, it absolutely should be should be the same. If anything else, like your private life should be more solid than what you portray publicly even. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, like I, I think um, actually Jesus over and over again talks about what's said and done in secret. You know, because the Pharisees, they were wanting to pray on street corners and they were wanting to do this and that to be seen. And then their private life was something else. But how cool would it be if our private life was even 10 times better than we were portraying? You know, like, man, you thought like you thought I love Jesus, but man, you haven't seen me, my prayer life. You thought and I haven't posted about it. I haven't wrote home about it. You know, we're quick to we're quick in every way to hype up every part of our lives. What if we were just so stinking faithful and we didn't brag about it here and there? We just lived it out. And then people started discovering the reality of like, oh my gosh, this dude's the real stinking deal. You know, I'll never forget. There was a, a guy that I crossed paths with um, from out of state and uh, he seemed like a good man. Like I was like, oh, he seemed like a good man. I started asking him questions. I, we, we were touring a city that we were in. And I was like, we were actually on this, this jackrabbit bus. I'm like, whose bus is this? And he's like, oh, it's our, our churches. And I'm like, man, this, this is a nice bus for your church to have. And he, he reluctantly said, yeah, my, my wife and I, we, we gave to make it possible. And I was like, what? And uh, he, I said, um, he started, I started finding out more and more about him. I mean, he had built, he had built apartment buildings Again, I had to ask him for everything because he wasn't just openly, he's never posted about it. He has low income housing, every other apartment room, because he doesn't want to just all the low income housing to be together. Instead, he wants to help raise the standard. And so he does low income housing be, be mixed with regular housing because he wants to, he wants to help raise people's bar wow. even and I mean, and uh, he, he built a retirement community because he saw a need. And he's, and he, I, the more I found out about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, are you kidding me? I feel like you should be speaking at conferences and you should be doing this and this and this. And I, I think I'm like, when I go back to that, what's, what's done in the secret and in the, in the, I'm like, man, this dude, like if anybody knew, you know, we overhype ourselves 
he was under hyping himself and he was, he was hyping up Jesus. And I'm like, man, I want I want that to be true. So that's a long answer, but no, man, man, what, what, our private life should even outshine our public life. That's a great like, segue to the next question, man. Like is, is a Christian life all about praying and reading scriptures? It, uh, the answer is yes, but it's also about loving people and serving people and forgiving people and washing feet and being generous. Uh, again, so often we limit it to a couple of things and it's like, oh, like I, I, I checked my, I went to church, I read my Bible, I prayed, yeah. but, I'm still an, but I'm still an arrogant jerk. But I'm still the person in the office that everybody avoids. But I still have never given a cent away to anybody except people who had something to give me in return. I I mean, it's so I think, again, so often we we I, I think we often have a tendency to become Pharisees instead of wholehearted followers of Jesus. You know, if you don't have anybody who other people would make you them question you in that area of your life. You're not looking like Jesus, you know, like, so, so I'm kind of go, kind of going back to the same thing here, but oftentimes the longer we follow Jesus, the cleaner and cleaner our life becomes. Yeah. And I would say the longer we should follow Jesus, the messier and more complicated our life should become, well, you know? And, well, and obviously we, and obviously we need to be wise. So if I struggle with alcohol and I've battled with alcohol all my life, the last place I should ever be is at a bar. The last place that I can be is at a keg party. I just, I just can't handle that. Um, so, and, and also it's important, critically important that we have solid people. There's, there's our core people. Those core people in our life, they should love Jesus. They should love us. They should have full ability to challenge us, to speak into us. So that's our core group of people. But we should also have a whole other bunch of people that are that are the tax collectors and sinners in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes Christians, we have the core people, and then we have a bunch of clean Christian people in our next layer, and then there's even cleaner Christians in after that layer. And then we start bickering about things that don't matter instead of being like Jesus. And so I think it's like having that core people, again, like they they challenge us, they make sure we're walking with Jesus. They, they call out our crap, our pride, our ego, the things in our private life nobody wants to talk about. But we should also be rubbing shoulders with a whole bunch of people who are so far from Jesus. Um, so that's, that's a long answer. Again. I'm going all over the place. <laughs> oh, man. It's so good, man. I am like, I told you in the beginning, man, I'm super grateful for you. And I mean, I've watched you for the last three years. And you've been so impactful in my life and you don't even know it, bro. Like your book, Talking With God, was, was the best thing I could have could have done. Oh, wow. Yeah, bro. Like it and it was at a point in my life where I was struggling with Jesus, man. And I and I was that guy who was like, okay, should should my public and private life be the same? And that book yeah. totally helped me out. It stepped my prayer wow. life game. To the to the max, man. I appreciate you for that. I'll I'll pay you off later. I'll pay you <laughs> off later for saying all those kind no, of No, man. No, not at all. You have a new book, um, Love Has a Name, and I think it's perfect for you know what we're talking about. You know the everyday Christian life and your book. Yeah, it's really good. And he has not paid me for this promo. I genuinely love this book. Love has a name. Explain that f- for us. Like what? 
what was going through your head when you came up with the name? How did it come to you? What what's behind that that name? Yeah, so uh, love has a name. If you don't know, the name of love is Jesus. J- a guy named John in the Bible. We will we will uh, basically to show us what love is is Jesus laying down his life for us is what John says. And um, so love's name is is Jesus. And really, so I went through a really hard season in my life two and a half, three years ago. And for the first time in my life, I didn't want to love anybody. It, genuinely, I, I, I've always loved people. Like I just, the stranger you are, the weirder you are, the more I want to be your BFF. Like I just, I'm like, I'm like, I, just everybody's got a story and I'm just so curious to hear what a person's story is. But a few years ago, I was, I was broken. And I was jaded and I was hurt. And so I didn't want to love anybody. And yet, thankfully, God wouldn't let me stay there. And so I began to think about all the people who had loved me well. You know, it's easy to focus on the people who have wronged you. If I was to ask anybody listening right now, who are the five people that you hate? You'd be able to list them off right away. I mean, you had a boxing match with them in your brain earlier this morning, and you, cur- you cursed them out in the car when you were driving by yourself. I mean, you were you th- thought about posting passive aggressively on your Facebook seventeen times, and thankfully you deleted sixteen of the seventeen. And, and uh, so we all—it's easy to think about them, but God just began to show me all the people who had loved me so well, people who showed up when nobody else showed up. People extended grace when they shouldn't have extended grace to me. People who served me when I had nothing to offer them in return. So people had showed me Jesus. And uh, so the book is the names of 27 people who have either loved me or I've tried to love them combined with someone similar that Jesus has loved. And I I think for anybody listening right now, first off, again, love's name is Jesus. And then I would encourage you, who are the people who have shown you Jesus's love? Like, who are the people who are there? When there's no reason that they were there, when when you made a mistake, who were the people who got closer to you instead of walking away like the crowds did? Yeah, you know, those are the people. that's like, man, they've they've showed me what love is in my ugliest, darkest moments, and uh, because of Jesus and because of those people, I can't help but extend that same love to others, and that's what I hope to do. Uh, Jesus said, "Well, we uh, people will know that we are His followers by the way that we love others." I'm like. <laughs> What about my church attendance? I'm a pastor. I got, I got like perfect church attendance. What about the amount of information I know or my master's degree? It's like, no, uh, people will know that you follow me by the way that you love and treat other people. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's a little scary. <laughs> what's your favorite? I know what my favorite chapter is, and we're going to get into that, but what's your favorite chapter in that book? Oh, gosh. Probably the hardest chapter that really showed me what love is. <laughs> is um, we had, uh, it's a chapter about a dr- guy who was in a drug house behind ours. And his, his name's Bill. It's not Bill. It's another, another name. I changed it for the book. But we got neighbors, uh, and it became one of the most active drug houses in Sioux Falls. And also, Bill, my, Bill, my neighbor, was a, a sex offender on top of it. I didn't realize that at first and his offense was, was with little kids. And again, I have four little kids. And so it's one thing to talk about loving others. And, you know, on Sundays to sing about God's love and how we get to reflect it. It's another thing when you've got a drug dealer who's also a pedophile living in your backyard. And so, but it, it challenged me. I mean, still, I mean, Bill is made in the image of God. 
and um, he's still a human. He's God's not done with him yet. And so what does it look like to what it moves from theory to reality when that happens? Um, and so it, it was a really hard, beautiful, wonderful just chapter, but season of my life where I learned what it looks like to love. You know, it's not it's not clean. You know, we read the Bible and we're like, oh, Zacchaeus, I love Zacchaeus. You would have hated Zacchaeus, you know, <laughs> so like true. Levi, like Levi, I'm so glad that Jesus went to his party. Isn't it beautiful that he invited him to come follow him? We would have hated Levi, you know, like, all, like, and so it's, uh, and so even Bill, like, I mean, as a pedophile, you're not just at the bottom of society. You're at the bottom of a place like prison, you know, like. You, you read anytime there's a pedophile mentioned on a news story on Facebook, read what people say should be done to the person. Oh, bro. I, to be honest, man, reading that chapter, it struck a chord, man, because I've always struggled with that because I was molested when I was like 10 years old. Yeah. And so uh, reading that, man, and I've always, and I'm going to be completely honest because that's, that's this all is I good. Have. I've always said I can forgive a murderer. I can forgive any any other sin. But when it comes to a pedophile, I don't know if I can forgive that person. I don't know if I can love that person. Dynamically, not dynamically, but that book, that chapter, man. Well, what I... What I, but what I also was gonna say, and and I'm honored you shared that, Cliff. Truly honored by that. What I, what I love about that chapter is the balance of grace and truth. Yeah, you know, because because I said uh, sometimes love means calling the cops on somebody. You know, and we're we're like that's not loving because uh, oftentimes I would call the cops on Bill, and then 30 minutes later I'd stop over with chocolate chip cookies and sit on his front porch and eat, eat a cookie. With him. <laughs> You know, and you would say though, like, dude, you're talking. You 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 would say like, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. You're two faced, and I'd say, no, I'm not at all, because Bill once told me, he that he was trying to change his ways, that he didn't want to keep doing the same thing he was doing. And I know in my life, sometimes that means getting caught. You know, the times that I I would call, there was times where I literally thought someone was going to get shot in my backyard, and so I called sure for the safety of my family and the families around us. But I also, in my heart of hearts, called the cops for Bill's sake as well. Because I'm like, no, Bill, you are better than this. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so it was that, so, yep, I, I wouldn't tell him that I called the cops yeah. on him. But I would be the first person that, I'd be the first person when, it, when all our other neighbors were like, get that trash out of our neighborhood, blah, 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 blah. I was the person who'd come over. Hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can pray for? Even now. So every so often he'll drive by and he'll honk and stuff because he ended up moving out. And every time I'm like, dude, what's up? <laughs> you know? And that's, that's what's true about, about love though. Like even, even Jesus, we're told, uh, John tells us that he's full of grace and truth. That's just really messy because it's not 50-50. It's 100%, 100%. It's like, how can you be both? And it's like, gosh, that's really, really messy. Yeah. And so even, even like what he did is not okay at all. Yeah. And um, I, I even think, I even think there's some things that Jesus says that makes me concerned for a pedophile in a big, big way. Yeah. And yet, so there's that true side that is critically important. I mean, as a father, the most loving thing I can do is protect my own kids. Yeah. So that's the, so there's, there's that. And so it's just really, really messy. 
So. Yeah, man, it, it helped. It helped me a lot, man. Because <clears throat> you're right, man. They're made in the eyes of Jesus. You know, like we're living, we're living in Satan's world. I just had to come to terms. I mean, I'm still, I'm not all the way there, but it took me a step there. Like, okay, I can still love this person, even though they committed to me the worst sin ever. I know all sins are the same, but to me, pedophilia is like the it's just uh, it's so oh. demonic, man. And uh, and I just thank you for that, man, because yeah, it it helped me kind of switch my brain, switch my thinking of how to look at people regardless of what they've done, you know. So how to love them regardless yeah. of what they've done. Yeah, the sin is wrong, but you love the sinner, you know. And that's what Jesus yeah. did. That's what Jesus did all the time. So. But it's it's so hard. Again, there's there's there should be clear boundaries. Because again, I I think some people are. Like, yeah, no boundaries, just openly love Bill. And it's like, no, that'd be called foolish. You know, like yeah. even like with my own kids, like it would be foolish just for me to like, yeah, go hang out with Bill. No, 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 no. <laughs> true, true. You know, like again, true. like I'll never forget a friend of mine who actually um, had a relationship with somebody who was younger than him. So he got caught, went went to prison, is on the sex offender list now. And um, he's a good man, just made some really bad decisions, had crap in his private life. And he he said, he talked about that he, and, you know, that happened like a, over a decade ago, but he talks about all the rigid kind of rules that he has in his life. Yeah. They're, they're kind of rigid guidelines that he has because he knows how imperfect he is. Yeah. And, he, and I'll never forget one time he said to me, he said, sometimes people hear those rigid guidelines that I have in my life and they think, oh, it's so restricting though. Like that's got to be a terrible way to live. And he said, I actually feel the total opposite. He said, for me, I see those boundaries and guidelines in my life as total freedom. He said, because I know what it's like to be a slave yeah. to, to, to sexual sin and stuff. And he's like, these guidelines, they might look like restricting. He's like, for me, they're life-giving. Yeah. And I thought that was such a powerful thing of like, really? Yeah. He's like, for me, they're freedom. Because I don't want to go back to that anymore. He's like, I know what it's like to be in a prison metaphorically and also like real prison. He's like, I don't want that. And so these guidelines that I have in my life, they're, they're the source of, of life. Like they're, they're, they're things that help me and help God help me to stay on the right path. I thought that was powerful. Yeah, that's super good. I mean, that's how I look at it. Cause like I said, I used to deal drugs, man, back in the day. I'm talking like I'm a super old, but <laughs> <laughs> I used to deal drugs, man. And now when I go back to Chicago, I can't hang with certain friends, you know, and I, yeah. I want to go to certain neighborhoods. So I create those boundaries, you know, whenever I go back to Chicago, some people will be, my friends would think that it's a little extreme. Like, Oh man, you can't come hang for like 10 minutes. I'm like, no, I can't. You can come and hang with me over here, <laughs> but I can't come to that neighborhood anymore, bro. And it's like, man, that's a stream. It's not, it's not like how it used to be. I, I understand that. But in my mind, I cannot go over there, bro. I'm That's not so saying good. we can't hang, but we can go downtown, grab some brunch or whatever, and just talk. But I can't come see you or hang with you in that neighborhood. And it's and it's it's like it's so it's like your friend said, it's freedom, man. It's liberating. Like I, I create those so I can live a good life. And if I cross that boundary, 
I know, especially during hard times, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Oh my well, gosh. Money is short. You know, my mind gets to thinking, but well, maybe I can do this for like a month and get some money. And but like, no, I can't, I can't even have those thoughts anymore. You know, like I That's can't right. do that. So. That's right. Yep. I, I, like for me in certain areas, I wanted, I want like a Andy Stanley talks about guardrails mm-hmm. And I think that's such a good metaphor. I want like in certain areas of my life, I want like 10 guardrails. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, you know how on the road, there's the things that you hit on the side of the road. I want like, I want like 10 layers of those. So it's like in the last layer, like pops the tires on my car before I get to the ditch. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you are clearly, you've done nothing stupid yet, but you're getting very close to stupid right now. <laughs> oh man! Well, my favorite chapter, man, I is is the chapter Trevon, and I feel yes. like I feel I think it's chapter eleven. Yes, and I feel like it's speaking to today's society of what's going on in our world. Explain Trevon to us and how that impacted you, and and explain and break it down to the simplest terms to the new person, the new believer that's uh, listening right now, how, what was it like with Trevon? How did that impact? Yeah. Like, and how so does it speak to our current society? Yeah. So I think oftentimes this is true for new Christians and also people who've been following Jesus for a long time. It's like, I want to help somebody. I want to, I want to be used by God. And so oftentimes we're like, I need to go on a missions trip somewhere. Like I need to go to Africa or I need to go across the country to serve people. And Jesus is like, how about you just help that person that's in need right in front of you? You know? And so, uh, so this is, this is a couple of years ago now. It was, it had to have been about this time of year because it was winter out. Um, If Friday morning, so Friday, Saturday is my weekend. And um, I just dropped my kids off at school. And all of a sudden my wife is in her, she's like, stop for him stop for him and i'm like who are you telling to stop and she's like she ran in the room she's like right now there's a school bus and there's a kid running after telling him to stop for him he missed the school bus so i go out there in my socks i run outside in my socks and sure enough the bus is left and there's this kid and i said hey he turns around looking like he's in trouble and uh i'm like did you miss the bus and he's he shook his head yes and I was like, do you have a way to get to school? He's like, no. I was like, you want a ride? Yeah. I was like, well, well meet me back by my garage. So I had to, so I ran inside, told Becky, I said, hey, I'm giving her a ride to school. She's like, what? And I'm like, I, I'm just going to take, give him a ride to school. And so I opened up the garage door and I said, um, the first thing he said to me, he said, thanks for giving me a ride. You're a pastor. And I'm like, what? I'd never seen the kid before. I'm like, no way. He's like, yeah. He's like, I go to the campus just over here. And I'm like, oh, no way. I said, well, that means we're family. So he hops in and he's like, we're, we're way away from, t- like, my school is way away. And Sioux Falls isn't that big. So I'm like, oh, it's probably just, I'm thinking to myself, it's probably a few blocks away. It was like a 15 minute drive, which is like an hour drive in any other major city. I, I'm like, where the heck is this school? But we end up talking. I asked him. He uh, he was caring for his parents at the time. He would go to church by himself, and 
um, which I just was blown away. And he just, he seemed like a really, really good kid just in a really hard situation. And so I just felt God. We lost Adam and we're going to pause it right here. And I'm going to see if we can connect Adam again.